Welcome to Stuff from the Science Lab from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Allison Loudermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. Today we're uh, we're going to start things off a little differently. We're yeah. going to do a, um, a blindfolded sniff test. So Robert, why don't you kick it off? Okay. Uh, well, I'm already blindfolded, so let's do it. Okay, so All I'm right. going to hand you a book. All right. And I want you to sniff the book and tell me what it smells like. All right, let me see. Let's see. Ah. <sighs> Oh, let's see. I'm picking up a combination of grassy notes, um, tang of acids, hint of vanilla, um, and just an underlying mustiness. Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say this is probably Clifford D. Simic's uh, 1967 sci-fi novel, The Werewolf Principle. Excellent, Robert. Oh yeah, I got it. Yeah, see, I, I thought it had that signature uh, sort of old sci-fi, um, you know, bookstore kind of odor to it. You know, just a little hint of loneliness. All right, my turn. Okay, go for it. Put the blindfold on. Okay. All right. All right, I will be begin commencing my sniff. What am I smelling? I'm smelling cats. Something with cats. Um, I'm smelling... Ooh, this is nice. Like a, a faint hint of somebody pressing flowers between the pages. Ooh, there's a whiff of drugstore perfume. I think maybe Lady Stetson or something. Uh-huh. Oh, ooh, a little bit of steam. Somebody might have gotten a little sweaty with this book. Oh, I know what it is. This has to be Ruthless Billionaire Inexperienced Mistress by Robin McDonald. That's it. You got it exactly right. Yeah, Harlequin Romance, classic. Yeah, I'm not through with it yet, so hand it back. <laughs> so books smell, right? Depending on who has them in their hands. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the great things about books. Like, I will never, well, I won't say never, but I'm really opposed to the idea of going over to the Kindle or any kind of uh, digital uh, book reading device because... Uh, They're not uh, odoriferous? Yeah, I just like the, the the smell of a good book, you know? I do too. I definitely do. I actually like books so much and the smell of them that I once considered becoming a librarian. Just for the smell? Just so you get your, your a constant daily fix of book funk? Yeah, I think it was that and some other things, but yeah, yeah. definitely. So books smell depending on who's reading them. They also smell on, depending on what they're made of, you know, it's, it's not just the paper, it's the binding, it's the ink, it's the cover, it's the, the leather, perhaps, if you have some sort of fine volume in your hands. Um, their reflection, the smell reflects what adventures they've survived. Uh, yeah. Uh, or, or just the environments they've, uh, they've been through. Um, you know, if, if, uh, you know, you encounter this whenever you go to a used bookstore, you know, you get one that smells, uh, really strongly of cigarette smoke. Well, it probably spent a lot of time in a, a heavy smoker's house. Um, if it's, uh, smells like cat pee, well, then it was probably owned by a cat lady. Or uh, a cat man. <laughs> or a cat man, yes. But I think they're also called cat ladies in most cases. Scientifically speaking, what's going on to make a book smell? Well, it's getting older, as everything does, and it's degrading. And in old books and documents, that aging process shows itself in one way by releasing volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, as we know them. And those VOCs are what you smell when you breathe in a really nice, delightful, musty odor. So besides telling you a little bit about the person who owned the book, smell also matters because it can be indicative of the condition of the book. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Uh, yeah, like um, on a very basic level, um, if it's been in a, a – everybody's probably picked up a book before that's where the pages are really brittle and dry. You know, uh, the book's dried out. It's like a mummy. Um, there are cases, uh, too, where it, you know, they end up uh, having some uh, some outright water damage or they're they're kind of uh, kind of stuck together like a big clump, right? But uh, at the at the heart of everything, you have uh, the oxidation of cellulose in the paper. All right. And so, is that what most books are made of these days? Cellulose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the the heart of the. Um, I mean, it's in the wood. It's been it's made into the pulp. It's made into the paper, um, and all this stuff is breaking down. It's basically you know it's it's rotting. The book the book is rotting. Um, no matter how um, how beautiful the content uh, is, you know. Um, and uh, the the interesting uh, thing is that we can uh, apparently there are like two hundred different compounds, all right, that uh, that we're smelling when we smell one of these old books. And around to, uh, ten to fifteen of these uh, can actually tell us some uh, very interesting things about uh, about what's happening to the book and maybe even like how much uh, longer it has. Right, because, I mean, nobody's going to care about whether my Harlequin romance or, sorry, Robert, your sci-fi survives into the, the next century. But, you know, we do get pretty concerned about books of note, say, you know, Charles Darwin's first edition of On the Origin of Species, published mm-hmm. back in 1859. Right. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of people would like to have that book around for a gender period. Yeah, also original letters, um, you know, diary pages. We still have pieces of paper that, uh, you know, Leonardo da Vinci wrote on. And uh, we'd like to, you know, keep those for a while longer. Right, love letters, mm-hmm. laws drafted up. Yeah, important documents. Sure, sure. So scientists realize, I think, the importance that all these paper documents and books have in our culture, and um, a particular group of scientists has developed a scientific sniff test, if you will. And the scientists in question are out of the Center for Sustainable Heritage at the University College London. And they actually quantified the smell of old books by analyzing the VOCs that these books off-gas. Um, and they did it by GCMS. And GCMS is gas chromatography, mass spectrometry. And the scientists in question, they actually sampled 72 different paper specimens in all sorts of states of decay. And they wanted to see what VOCs their, uh, their samples were going to release. Okay, great. So they collect all this data. Well, what they were looking for is they wanted to see if particular VOCs correlated with what state the, the book was in. And they found 15 candidates that seemed like they might function as good indicators of the condition a particular piece of paper or book is in. Great. So what, what ramifications does this have for you? Well, it means that um, somebody who's looking to preserve a certain book or who works with rare books on a frequent basis isn't going to have to actually handle it as other methods might dictate. They're going to be able to test these ancient books and see what condition they're in. And eventually they might actually have a handheld electronic nose, according to the study's author. Well, I'm picturing that as, uh, as basically a little handheld device that has like the big fake plastic nose at the end of it. Maybe <laughs> that like throbs back and forth as it sniffs. Yeah. Or maybe kind of like a uh, Samantha and Bewitched, you know, it kind of, oh, it, it, yeah, the kind of <laughs> thing. Yeah. And it's not to say that people handling old books don't have other methods of telling what condition a particular book is in, but, uh, such methods like pH analysis or paper folding, infrared spectroscopy, they, they involve handling the book and thus potentially damaging it in the process. Right. Yeah. We get oils from our hand on it and just, you know, we're rough on the material. Yeah. Maybe a droplet of sweat, mm-hmm. you know, forms on your forehead and then slow motion. <laughs> 
just completely turns it to dust right there. Can you imagine? So what types of paper do you stand the test of time if it's not cellulose like we talked about before? Uh, well, actually, one of the best examples of uh, durable paper uh, you, can, uh, you can find in your wallet, uh, and that's uh, currency. Uh, currency paper uh, is actually, uh, actually not paper in a traditional sense. Uh, there are no wood fibers or starch in it. Uh, instead, it's a blend of cotton and linen fibers, you know, pressed together and uh, and uh, and uh, blended into this uh, really, you know, firm uh, parchment that has to be handled on a regular basis. Um, and of course, some of uh, some of our oldest written texts are not on paper at all. For instance, uh, we found uh, 8,600 year old uh, tortoise shells in China that bear uh, writing. There, um, in the Indus Valley, they found. Uh, uh, 5,500 year old, uh, pottery jars. So, uh, you know, maybe, uh, maybe paper isn't the way to go or the, uh, the Kindle. It's pottery jars. So you like to write in your free time, right? I, I try and fit it in. So after doing this podcast, what are you going to do to ensure that your, uh, your words survive? Well, I was thinking about the, tur- the tortoise shells, but, um, that does sound kind of beautiful to me. Yeah, but also if kind not, of cruel. So, I don't, yeah. I don't really want a bunch of turtles to die so that, your uh, writing can survive. My writing yeah. can survive. A little egocentric there, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, unless, I guess you put it on the outside of the turtle while it's alive, but then it's like, how are you going to, you know, tell people where to pick up your, you know, your new short story or book, you know? Well, you could set the turtle on a course, you know? You yeah. can train the turtle to, to go on a certain course so that people can enjoy your reading. You know, you could train the turtle. Well, that's, that's an extra step I'd hate to have to take is turtle training on top of, of writing and, and editing and all. Uh, so hey, I've got to throw that one out. And I, I'm, I'm not a big fan. I mean, the Internet's awesome, but there's a part of me that that thinks and another part that kind of hopes that it won't last forever. So Really? Yeah, I don't know. There's just, I don't know, Internet. It's just kind of tacky. <laughs> Sorry, Internet. So uh, actually, um, for, for these reasons, I've chose to go, chosen to go in a different direction. Uh, and for, and uh, that's why you can look for my, uh, my latest uh, collection of short stories um, wherever... Uh, Ayurvedic uh, palm leaf manuscripts are sold. Great. Thanks, Robert. And uh, if you'd like to tell us about your adventures with book sniffing or uh, home libraries or... Or book huffing. I wonder if anybody actually huffs books. Yeah, send us an email at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com or you can always go read about home libraries, books, and lots more. Yeah, and while you're at it, come check out the blogs where uh, you know we update it several times per week with uh, whatever our current scientific thoughts are. I think there's one on the P-Funk mothership. There is. All right, that's all we got. Thanks for listening, guys. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more HowStuffWorks? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.